for our message today to be brought to us by Mr. Barnabas Grayson, and it is titled, Press Towards the Mark. Thank you, Sean. Well, good afternoon, everyone. It is good to see you. Last week, I wasn't here, as you probably maybe didn't notice, but I wasn't here last week. I uh, came down with a, a touch of COVID, if you can call it a touch. It really was a mild case, but so I isolated myself in, inside the house and uh, wore a mask for a couple of days, and then had to wait until, you know, there's a certain amount of time that you wait. That way you're not going to be spreading. Is this on, Rick? Did I? Okay. All right. So, <coughs> anyway, uh, I isolated for about four days, and uh, yesterday uh, tested, and uh, everything was negative. I didn't have any more of it. I may have a little uh, drizzle, so. But anyway, uh, that thing is still going around, and it's good that we take precautions, because you never know when you have it until you really feel bad. So we have a a heavenly calling, it's a high calling, and this is the mark, this is the aim, this is our aim in life, the Christian aim in life is this heavenly calling. Some of us have many years behind us, uh, time that has gone by so fast it seems, and then when New Year's comes around, we're looking toward the future, looking toward uh, maybe turning uh, over the leaf and a new page, a new beginning in life, no matter what it might be. Some of us might have in mind a resolution to perhaps uh, lose a little weight. That's been my resolution ever since, and uh, it just it goes up and down. But uh, So I'm resolved, I guess, in a way to, to accept that. And uh, there are a lot of resolutions that one, one can make, so... So have you made any resolutions? You know, at this time of year, this is, uh, won't be long until one more day, and we'll have 2024, a new year coming. And uh, offhand, I remember many years ago, one of my resolutions had to do with avoiding procrastination. Is anyone here? You don't have to raise your hand, but unless you want to. I won't feel so bad, but... Uh, <coughs> So I'm not the only one. But procrastination is, you know, when you, when you put off something uh, and just delay, delay something. And we sometimes do it to the last minute. You'll notice on the handout that I gave you, I have some, uh, I usually uh, type it all out. But I scribbled it all out in a hurry because I waited to the last minute. And... Uh, so anyway, it is still hanging on to me, it, but we sometimes put things off until the last minute, and which is one of the pitfalls of life because it can make us fall short of the mark that we are aiming for. I remember, I guess I'll mention this before, uh, I remember a split sermon that uh, Richard gave. <laughs> now he looks up. <laughs> it was on procrastination. Do you remember that, Richard? 
maybe. <laughs> I don't remember the details of that uh, split sermon, but there was a lot to it. But the one thing that I remember about that sermon is that very word, procrastination. And so I have not forgotten that. And there are a lot of other sermons that I've heard where just in the title, that's all I needed to know what it was all about. So <clears throat> procrastination, doing things at the last minute, and uh, sometimes, well, you know, like my wife says, well, that's you. So. <laughs> so every year, this is what's on my mind, procrastination, delaying, or postponing something. Now, as we look at the future, we are pressing toward uh, the mark or an aim, uh, our goal in life. And we just can't really wait around and delay it because you could be caught unawares. Now, most of us have probably been watching, not most of us, maybe a few of us have been watching the ball games, and sometimes you have this, uh, this two-minute drill, they call it the two-minute drill, you've only got a certain amount of time in order to go the length of the field and m make a touchdown to tie the game or to win the game, or it's, you, know, you could lose it at the same time, so you can't wait around and you, so you have a hurry-up offense. Let's, let's get this, let's get this uh, ball game going. And in basketball, you have this uh, full-court press. You know, you're trying to delay the other team from getting to their goals so that you can hang on to whatever points that you might have. And so we have full-court pressure at times. But it's all for an aim. It's all for a goal. It's, this is all for what's uh, materially in, in our uh, aim something earthly, a trophy, or whatever it might be. Uh, some of you may have watched the um, OU football game, and uh, it can affect you. The win and the loss can affect you. Here were these guys on the Arizona team, and they deserved it. Uh, they intercepted about six passes, and every one of those balls that they either recovered for a fumble or an interception they stuck onto a sharp sword, and so they had a pile of footballs, which were probably cost around $80, you know. And I thought, man, <laughs> I hope they didn't put an OU football in there, but at the very bottom there was an OU insignia <laughs> on one of those things. And so that is their trophy that they're going to take to go to take them in to next year. But we have a heavenly calling. In Psalm 15, verse 1 through 5, it says, I've read this before, who shall abide in your tabernacle? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? Now here's the answer. He that walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. And he that backbites not with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his neighbor. In whose eyes is a vile person is contemned, but he honors them that fear the Lord. He that swears to his own hurt and changes not. He that puts not out his money to usury, nor takes reward against the innocent. He that does these things shall never move. So when you look at some of these descriptions of uh, our heavenly calling, the things that God expects to see in us, it's almost like reading the Ten Commandments things to do, things not to do. Now in Philippians chapter 3, verses 11 through 16, verse 11, if by any means 
I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though as I had already attained, either were already perfect, but this is Paul speaking, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. We have this calling. It's uh, taken us. It's, it's, we, it's our apprehension that uh, has given us this hold on this heavenly calling. And so he says, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The high calling sometimes can be laid aside and you may not think it as very important in our life and sometimes we let it go, fall short of the mark of this high calling because of our own interests and because of our, maybe our attitude toward things. Verse 15, let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So sometimes we may feel like, well, I'm falling far, far short. That's, that's God speaking to you through your Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit he has given. You might feel an emptiness. You, emptiness. you might feel some sort of being left behind, or maybe you need to hurry up and get ahead. So God shall reveal even this unto you. But if we keep ignoring that calling, that heavenly calling, all the things that God wants us to do, then we're going to fall short of that mark for that prize. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. There is an attainment that each of us have made so far. There, there are those who are just coming into the faith, coming into the truth. You know, back in the old days, one of the questions that they would ask of a newcomer, like you've probably been asked this before, but back in the 1970s, I think Larry mentioned 1970s, uh, people would ask, come up to you and say, how long have you been in the church? And uh, being new, oh, we've been in it since the last January, I think it was. Well, when did you discover the truth? So th some of those questions have applied to our standing to what we have attained so far because I was raised in a, in, in a Baptist church and uh, baptized in a Baptist church. And there was, uh, the thing that really stood out to me was that I didn't want to uh, burn in hell because that was what the Sunday school teacher was telling us. If we don't repent, if we don't change, if we don't, uh, aren't baptized uh, and accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, that's where we're bound. And so that kind of struck fear in, into me, but it wasn't the kind of fear. I respected the being who was giving that warning. So <coughs> Hebrews chapter 3. Wherefore, my uh, holy brethren, and he's talking to us, holy brethren, who, that's who we are, and also partakers of the heavenly calling, we're to consider uh, uh, the apostle and high priest of our profession, who is Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who has built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is of God. 
We've read in other scripture where it has said, unless the Lord shall build a house, the weary builders toil in vain. So you have to have God on your side. You have to have whatever aim it is, whatever you're building, to have that focus toward that high calling. Moses was ver verily, truthfully, he was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. You know, Moses was also a prophet. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Hope is always something that is in the future. We might hope for a better new year that is coming, but there is a hope that we hope to have, whatever that hope may be. And I know that there are times when hope is deferred. You don't reach that goal because maybe you've delayed it, procrastinated about it, or done some other thing that just, that just hindered progress. Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved that with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. How frustrating it must be for fathers to raise children and, and for them to go uh, a different path. But yet there is patience. And we see this patience and the mercy on the part of God. But there comes uh, kind of a limit to how much uh, patience uh, must be given. In our world today, as we look around, we see how evil has pervaded society and the, uh, all over the world. So, I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So unbelief can settle into our life because of what someone may say about God, uh, that he doesn't exist, that he's just a mythical figure, and defer whatever hope we have that God is there, that he is there to give us a hand to pull us out of the evils of this society. So, it says, Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. You know, there's a church that, uh, that has that name, the Church of the Living God. So, that's who we worship. We worship a living God, a God that is, that is, exists, is self-existent. So, verse 13, But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened, through the deceitfulness of sin. So, as, you know, loyal members, we encourage one another, and we help one another, and we try to lead each other on the path toward righteousness so that we don't become hardened. And through the deceitfulness of sin. Verse 14, we are made partakers of Christ. 
we're made partakers of Christ. If, there's a big if, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. So we have this hope that is in sight, whatever that goal might be. We know that righteousness, the uh, aim of, of us is Jesus Christ. But we have to have a confidence that is going to be steadfast unto the end, whatever comes our way, to have faith that we are still on the road to life. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Today, you know, it could apply to our times today, but in this, uh, in the context, the capital uh, uh, on today is, could have been the Sabbath. The Sabbath when you hear the word of God, when you hear the word of God expounded, the scriptures read. If you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Whom was he grieved for forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? You know, when I think of a carcass, I think of you know, like the, the turkey that's left over after Thanksgiving. Uh, to me, that's like a carcass, of, but yet. He calls the humans, the people that fell, as carcasses that fell in the wilderness. And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. Those who believe not would not enter into his rest. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. But let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now we think of the, of the physical temple, but we who have the Holy Spirit, we are the temple of God, and it's possible that this being or his way of life can enter into this temple that uh, we have, that is, our, that is our mind, that is our heart, that is our body. But let no man deceive you, that they shall not come, except there come a falling away due to the deceptions of Satan, and who is the son of perdition. Remember ye not, verse 5, that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. <coughs> and now you know what with, withholds that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery, this mystery of iniquity, does already work, already works, only he who now lets will let until that mystery, that mystery man will be taken out of the way. He's being held back until that time when um, God loses patience with mankind. They keep on sinning. They keep on doing evil. They keep on missing the mark, the goal that, and the hope that God has set before us. That is time that 
you know, we talked about the revelation, how the uh, wrath of God is going to come upon mankind because of the sin and because of this mystery of iniquity who is going to uh, be <coughs> led by Satan to, uh, to overcome the saints if, if, if they let him. Then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So this brightness that is to come is going to destroy this, this being. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs of lying wonders. So these supernatural things, these miracles that are going to occur are going to convince a lot of people and they're going to be deceived into following who they think is the God of all gods, but who is being led by Satan, the devil. And with all deceivableness of righteousness, verse 10, in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth are those things that when we're settled, when we know about the truth, when we have uh, the sanctifica sanctification, the Holy Spirit in us that sets us apart in different ways, whereunto he called you by our gospel. So it's by the, the apostles preaching, by the preaching of the prophets, and by the words of Christ himself as we read them in the Bible, that we're called to that gospel, that good news of salvation, to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, again, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which has loved us and has given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. By continuing to believe the truth, believing in the word of God, looking to his word for encouragement and for guidance along the way, it will comfort our hearts and it will establish us in every good word and work. Because when you're doing the work of God in whatever service uh, you may find yourself, it will comfort our hearts because it keeps us focused on the hope. Now, one of the traditions that we have been called to be partakers of is the Sabbath, the seventh, uh, uh, seventh day Sabbath. One of the Ten Commandments says that we are to remember the Sabbath day to do what? To keep it holy. But think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets, as you know some people think. Jesus, Jesus said, I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill to make it more glorious, to fill it up, not only phys physically keeping the Sabbath, but also uh, uh, spiritually, mentally, <coughs> with, with our heart. Jesus did not come 
to wipe out the law or what the prophets of old said about the penalties for not keeping the commandments? Did Jesus keep the commandments? Of course he did. He kept all of them, including the Sabbath. In John 15, 10, it's not in your uh, outline, but it says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Want to abide in the love of Jesus? Keep my commandments, he said. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. For verily I say unto you in Matthew 5, till heaven and earth pass one jot or one tittle, shall in no wise pass from the law until all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore, it says, shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So God's law is more real and lasting than the stars that we see in the sky, than the sun, than the moon, all those uh, things. He's more real than the ground at our feet. You know, we st the, what we stand on. <laughs> we realize that we're earthbound, but we have this hope of eternal life to come. So God's law is still alive, still working. The Ten Commandments are still in existence. Now, these Ten Commandments, they're not trivial. They're not trivial do's and don'ts. So we have to take them seriously. And also show the way for others, and you will find honor, it says, in the kingdom. Because we know that sin is a transgression of the law, and the wages of sin is death, and that the Sabbath was made for man, made for all mankind, every human being, every person. Exodus chapter 31, I'm going to read all of the verses that I've listed. But verse 13, speak unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. So we have the weekly Sabbath, that is, that is a sign. We also have the holy days, the uh, holy uh, days that are a Sabbath, that you may know that I am the Lord that does sanctify you. By keeping these commandments, especially the one about the Sabbath, we know that God is the one who has revealed it to us and has set us apart, sanctified us as a sign. Verse 14, you shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy unto you, and everyone that defiles it shall surely be put to death. Now, he was speaking to those in ancient Israel who did, who were put to death because of their disobedience to the Sabbath. But now you look around our society today and you see that there are not very many who are, it's like everybody's keeping Saturday as, as a work day. So we are under grace right now. Many are under grace because God has blinded some to that truth about this, uh, this, the Sabbath. Isaiah 56, verse 1, Thus saith the Lord, Keep you judgment and do justice, for my salvation is near to come, and my righteousness 
be revealed. Blessed is the man that does this, and the son of man that lays hold on it, that keeps the Sabbath from polluting it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. So the Living Bible Translation says, Blessed is the man who refuses to work during my Sabbath days of rest, but honors them. And blessed is the man who checks himself from doing wrong. So as we go through the Sabbath, you know, we make up our own mind. We choose. <coughs> Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. But we know from the word of God there are certain things that apply to our keeping of the Sabbath. And so it, we have this spiritual check. Should I be doing this? Should I wait until the next day? So this was a... Uh, <coughs> For both the stranger, for both and for the Jews, and even it says, "For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbath, and choose the things that please me, and take hold of my covenant, even unto them will I give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than the sons and of daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off." So there is a prize of that high calling that is, that is to come. <laughs> I'm looking at the time. That one says a quarter tell. This one says five tell. This one says ten tell. Which do you prefer? <laughs> How about five tell? <laughs> so... Paul stood up, he w the Apostle Paul stood up, he was in Antioch, and he said, Men of Israel, and you that fear God, give audience and give listen. And we know from other scriptures that it was uh, the custom of Jesus to go into the synagogue. I'll mention this. <coughs> Today we know that it is a Sunday keeping age. But preachers say that this is the day the Lord has made. But how did this Sunday come to be? I was reading on the internet about uh, Chick-fil-A. Rumors are spreading that New York State is forcing Chick-fil-A to remain open on seven days a week. As some may know, you know, this restaurant chain was founded by a conservative Christian and known for famously closing on, on Sundays. It was started by the late founder who was a, a Southern Baptist and it continues to this day. He said closing our business on Sunday, the Lord's Day, is our way of honoring God and showing our loyalty to him. So this is a strong example, <coughs> this closing of that business, because sometimes I forget what day it is and uh, be passing through, and I want to uh, get something on Sunday, and they're closed. And uh, I really wanted a Chick-fil-A, a spicy one, but, you know, it's, it's the business is closed. 
But this is a strong example of worship and saying Jesus is Lord in their life. But does this mean that we follow along with that belief? Because Jesus said that he is Lord of the Sabbath. It's an action verb. Is is an action verb, meaning Jesus is, that he exists. So he did not do away with the law. He is, so the Sabbath still is, that Sabbath command. It is curious that Sunday keepers do according to the original Sabbath command to not work, but to worship God on that day. They keep the spirit of the law yet most, but they still forget that the previous day is the day when they are really busy at work. But we know that most of these are good and caring people. They keep the other commandments as well. God loves them also, just like he loves us, and he's willing to forgive. They're not condemned, but it's, there's that part where they may be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. We know that in, in the times to come that there, that there will be forgiveness of sin. I brought a book up, and I'm not going to read it for lack of time, but I will, uh, the next time I finish this message, it's the National Sunday Law. Satan hates the fourth commandment because it's the only one that tells us who God really is as the creator, the creator of heaven and earth. You can, you, can, you can worship any God and keep the other nine commandments, like stealing and lying. But to keep the fourth commandment, we must worship. We have to worship. We do worship the creator of the universe who set us an example of how to keep the Sabbath day and why. So we know Christians of old kept the Sabbath on Saturday, but on the seventh day, but they were treated as outlaws, and they were tortured, some of them maimed. Here's what Romans has to say to those beliefs. Romans 10, verses 1 through 3. Um, My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to unto the righteousness of God. So we're to take heed, as Hebrews chapter 4, that there remains therefore a rest to the people of God, a sabbatismus, a Sabbath, a keeping of the Sabbath, a time to cease and to uh, worship God. So let us labor, verse 11, Let us, therefore, labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of belief. It's possible to stop believing in what the Sabbath entails, what it means for our spiritual livelihood. Because the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Skipping across some some of the verses that I referred to, as in Colossians 2, 
Lest, uh, this I say, verse one, uh, 4, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. There are enticing words. There are words that uh, come from men's philosophy and vain deceit that say uh, the Sabbath is done away with. And there are other ways to keep the Sabbath. Verse 8, ver, uh, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Second Peter uh, 3 is about the long-suffering of Christ. And the book of Jude is, uh, have many scriptures that I, I would read. <coughs> but I will pick out the ones that uh, highlight that particular uh, book. Verse 2, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Verse 4, there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men turning the grace of our Lord into lasciviousness and denying only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. But, beloved, remember you the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that there will become mockers in the last days. think I have enough verses there for the ones that I did not read aloud to you that you can go back on your outline and, and see what should have been said. We began with Genesis 15. Lord, who shall abide in your tabernacle, who shall dwell in your holy hill, he that walks uprightly, works righteousness, and speaks the truth in his heart, he that back Biteth not with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is condemned. But he honors them that fear the Lord. He that swears to his own hurt and changes not. And he that puts not his money to usury. So these are some of the things for those who can approach the Lord that we are to live in, in integrity, being honest and truthful, having strong moral principles. So as the new year comes upon us, some of these things we can think about. If we are weak in some way, we have to you know, examine ourselves. It's just a time that some people do want to make a change in their life. So <coughs> in conclusion, I'm not going to read 2 Thessalonians 2, chapter 3 through 17. I don't think I have listed that on your handout. But in conclusion, we can resolve to do better. We can do that by watching and praying so that we can grow in grace and in the knowledge of Christ, reaching for his righteousness, our aim. So, in all cases, <coughs> come what may, look to Christ in the coming year. Stand fast and hold the traditions of God.